Welcome to the Captain Bagrat podcast, where we're on a mission to fight boring news about Asia and Australia. You know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it with a finger on the Asian, well, Asianish pulse. As always, we're recording from downtown Chinatown with yours truly, the mythical Madam Chan and friends. Good evening, and guess who we've got today? We've got Fei Fei Lushon. I think I'm saying your name right, right? Uh, about there, yeah. Oh, close <laughs> enough. And you're you're from a collective heritage, and this is what we try to promote. So you've got American, Chinese, and now soon to be Australian heritage, and plus a little bit of German, right? Yeah, through marriage, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got pretty much four collective cultures, which is really awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's complicated, uh, hence also in my name, right? So um, the Lu Shun is, uh, the Lu part is actually the Chinese part, and then Shun um, or Shane is the German part, German. and it's my husband's last name. So when we hyphenated, um, that's what we got. And uh, fun fact for both of them, both the <laughs> Chinese part and the German part, they naturally have an umlaut in it. So if you add that on top, then basically nobody knows how to pronounce my last name. So can you explain to everyone what what an umlaut is? Yeah, umlaut is the two dots that show up on a character. Um, it's from German, but um, in Chinese there's similar sort of um, accentation or punctuation on, mm. on on letters for for names, um, but we don't call it umlaut. Um, so so in Chinese my my last name is actually Lü. And uh, my husband's last name is actually Shun, but um, in English, our last names are Lu Shane. Lu Shane. <laughs> hey, Lu Shane, yeah. what up? <laughs> and we thought just for fun, I mean, his family, when they first moved over to the US, you know, they were um, originally, I guess, from kind of a German um, heritage. And uh, they, they dropped the umlaut to make it easier for Americans. And, and probably family, their systems. Yeah, because I had the, problems with my hyphenated yeah, name in Australia. Yeah, sitting in front of a bureaucrat and trying to explain how to type your name, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and then my family, when they moved over, of course, they also dropped the dots just to make it easier for <laughs> the bureaucrat. Can you imagine if you at the German side and the Chinese side went to the bureaucrat and go, hey, can you just download the German and the Chinese keyboard? So then you'll get the umlaut there. I know. And like, I mean, back then when our families migrated, there weren't even keyboards yet, right? So you probably would have had to like take a pencil and dot the, the dots in. Um, anyway. <laughs> Whatever. So we are decolonizing our last names and reintroducing the umlauts just for shits and giggles. And now literally no one in the world can pronounce it. Probably. <laughs> can you imagine the the bureaucrat trying to write and put the dots into the like the letter O or something? Go, no, 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 no. The O does not. The, the two dots does not go in the O. It goes above the O. Not a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And for added complexity, the, the LU with the two dots on top, there's actually an upside down triangle on top of the two dots. Oh, but no. I wasn't even going to get into that because I don't even know how to type that. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about something a little bit serious and also talking about um, what it's like to be American, Chinese, slash Australian now, and then also German. So just to get the uh, listeners going, I thought we'd start with the Fast Five. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I haven't done that Fast Five for ages. So... Uh, First thing that comes to your head. All right, ready? Okay. You look really scared. You look so scared. I'm an Asian taking a test. What do you want? <laughs> look, you'll get 100% regardless, okay? Be okay with that. Must have A's. Right. Oh, wait a second, you want 110%? I'm sure I can give you that too. <laughs> all right, first of all, your favorite go-to drink? Ooh, um, chai tea, but prana chai, like proper chai tea. Proper Not chai. like, you know, from a mix. <laughs> oh, so what's proper chai tea? Uh, whatever chai tea you guys drink here, because it is delicious. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right. Which country serves the best burger? Oh, oh okay. Um, well, first of all, what's your favorite burger? What's my favorite burger? It's Five Guys. 
from um, the U.S., okay. uh, which is from mostly the East Coast, kind of like around the Baltimore, D.C. area. Um, and sorry, I because I'm American, <laughs> I have to say that American burgers are better. You guys have good Ooh, burgers, ouch. but it's um, the difference is in the beef. Like our our, meat, our beef is fattier, Ooh, and then your okay. beef is really lean, which is actually healthier, but it just doesn't give the same oomph on a proper burger. You so. need the fat. You need the fat. Yeah, I need that mm. USDA like certified plus you know whatever beef. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to the U.S. and have this burger now. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, which country has the best yum cha? Oh, okay. First off, we call it dim sum over there. Oh, okay. Yum cha. <laughs> I actually had to learn new Chinese-Australian words when I got here. I was like, what the hell is yum cha? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, um, you know what? Uh, it's hard to say because it depends on where in the U.S. Okay. Uh, your yum cha is very good as well. All right. Yes. Okay. So, I think it's a Thai. Yeah, because there's some places with really, really good dim sum in America, and then some places where it's pretty terrible. So it varies. Yeah, it varies. Depends yeah. on the chef, really. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you want to eat for dinner tonight? Oh, Korean food. I am dying. <laughs> I live in Manly, and I love the northern beaches, and it's beautiful, but there's not a single halfway decent Korean restaurant, at least not that i found, <laughs> and I am dying for Korean food. Well, you came to the right place. Chinatown and the surrounding, it's got great Korean food. Yes. Great outdoor stuff. <laughs> All right, last question. Describe your first feeling or even like a memory or a moment that always makes you think of your first step in Australia, like first landing, whether that's off an aircraft or, oh. or when you stepped out of the airport or something along the, that line. I've been living in Australia for a little over a year now, mm -hmm. um, but I came here four years ago for vacation and um, basically fell in love with it and like have been plotting since to get my work to transfer me here. So like um, basically I, I loved it so much here that I, I really wanted to be here. And the moment that I was just so pleasantly surprised by Australia, I guess would be I was in Perth, actually. WA, yes. Uh-huh. And um, had a really busy work week and then took out a bike and just biked along the Swan River um, to the coast there and just sat down on the beach uh, and like looked over, I guess the Indian Ocean would be on that side? Yes, that's right. And I was just like, oh my God, this place is beautiful. <laughs> Did you start crying? <laughs> a little. I kind of teared up. I was like, holy crap. I mean, the land of golden shore is my lord. Um, yeah, and like, and the seed of uh, wanting to move to Australia was planted, I think, that day. <laughs> oh, did you watch the sunset? Or was it just during the day? No, I think it was just during the day. I don't think I, I waited for the sunset. Oh, but, but still. still just as beautiful over oh, there, isn't there? It is. This is... This is God's country here. It is legit beautiful, you guys have down here. It and really Swan is. River is pretty amazing because oh, sometimes yeah. you can spot dolphins. Yeah, I, well, I didn't get to see dolphins that day, mm. but um, I saw the beautiful black swans, those oh, massive yeah. pelicans. I mean, it just was, oh, it was beautiful. And you're like, beautiful. that's it, I'm moving to Australia. Yeah, <laughs> I love birds, so you guys have really cool birds here. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know about the seagulls here. They're the bit of a menace. Yeah, well, your seagulls are, yeah, they are, actually. They've, they stole a sandwich from my husband once. That was, <laughs> are you yeah, kidding? Yeah, apparently that's actually pretty common. But yeah, he tried to have lunch on the beach and got attacked by seagulls and they stole a sandwich. So, Yeah, go. watch out for those dingoes as well. They're, they're just as bad. <laughs> they steal babies. Uh, actually, I heard that was disapproved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But still, it's, a, it's an ongoing joke in Australia. Okay. <laughs> it's still babies. Okay. <laughs> and everyone gets afraid by it. 
It is, yeah. Well, that was your your fast five, and I reckon we could go straight into some myth busting. How does that sound? Sounds good. Yeah, because um, I got to know you. You told me a few things, and I I believe everyone feels the same, uh, regardless of you know which country you're in, and if you look somewhat Asian, people assume that you're actually born in Asia mm. or your respective country. But that's not the case with you, is it? No, no, born in the U.S. Yeah, born mm. and raised. Um, I could technically be president. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can be an astronaut. Apparently, you got to be a U.S. citizen to be an astronaut. Well, yes, uh, you don't have to be a natural-born citizen to be an astronaut, though, I don't think. Oh, I need to marry an American. So. <laughs> <laughs> but in our Constitution, you do have to be a natural-born American in order to be president. But um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, no way in hell will <laughs> I ever be president. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I actually consider myself kind of a, a mixed-heritage family. I know that sounds weird because both my parents are technically Chinese. But my mom is from Hong Kong, and my dad is from mainland China. Mm. Um, he only spoke Mandarin um, yep. when they met, and she only spoke Cantonese. So we actually used English as the common language in our household. Um, so that's something I think people sort of forget. They sort of lump all Chinese people into one massive uh, thing. But, you know, it's a, it's actually a lot of cultural diversity just within that one um, ethnic group. So, like, assuming two Chinese people with very, 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 very different dialects mm. can speak with each other without any sort of previous language training is like assuming a German and a Portuguese person can speak. Yeah, because yeah. in America, out there are like 50-something states. Please, please correct me. How many? 50 states, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I got it right. Okay. 50 states. Yes, yes, that's 100%. I got A. <laughs> uh, and so in America, like, um, there's not so much in terms of dialects, correct? Well, or, I guess it kind of depends. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, t- technically everybody speaks English, but um, every region has their own sort of variety mm. and, and slight, uh, special accent. I think a lot of people, of course, know the, the Southern accent because it, mm. it actually gets parodied a lot in, in movies, uh, which is actually sometimes not fair to them, I think. <laughs> the um, Southern Belle, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. No, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay, I, right. I, hate, I actually really don't like mocking other people's accents, <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, like every region has a slight variation and it kind of reflects the the uh, immigrant history of those areas as well. Mm. So I actually heard that there is a place in the um, in out in the Midwest where uh, their accent is um, like really really unique, and um, it reflects a really old version of uh, like a really really old version of German. Oh, okay. um, that is not even spoken in Germany anymore. It's like a, like wow. a it's like some really crazy, obscure accent slash mm. dialect um, that this region speaks. So yeah, so it's I'm Completely sure it's the different. same same as Australia. Like every place has their own sort of yeah. take on things. But the thing is, like people can still understand. Whereas in China, there are I don't know how many uh, different uh, provinces, but they all have very different um, dialects. Yeah, so it makes and a lot it really of people hard. a lot of mm. people forget that quote modern mm. Chinese or like simplified Chinese yeah. has only been in existence for oh gosh less than fifty years. Mm. I think the last time they changed the written language was in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it really wasn't that long ago. Um, and yeah, up to like, up to really the the 60s, pre- well, actually really recently, um, every region in China had their own dialects. They were really quite unique and everybody spoke very differently. Yeah, and they um, couldn't understand each other unless it was in written form, right? Um, mm. Even in written form, form, right? So like in the old days when, mm. when there was still the fantis, like the, mm. the traditional, traditional Chinese yeah. versus the simplified. Like I, I can read some of the traditional Chinese, but it's hard. It's, it's complicated. It's, yeah, There's it's a lot complicated. of dots and lines and strokes everywhere. <laughs> and 
not every character is recognizable. So exactly. Yeah. 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 So then I'm guessing your first language is English as opposed to uh, Chinese, Mandarin, or no, Cantonese. No, so that's the weird part. I was born in the U.S., but mm. I went to uh, China to live with my grandparents from the ages oh, of three wow. to seven. Okay. So that's when you learn your first spoken language. So mm. actually, technically, my first spoken language is Chinese, mm -hmm. but my native language is English. I'm more comfortable in English than Chinese. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like by osmosis when you were born, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting the sounds of English, and then you get sent over to China, yeah. and you're like, all right, now I actually have to speak uh, a totally different um, yeah. language. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Native-born American, but I had to be in um, ESOL, which is this program we have back in the US. English is <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to be in ESOL until like fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. So did you find that uh, learning for you, learning two languages and learning um, just at, you know, at school was a little bit harder? Or did you find that at some point, all of a sudden, you, your brain just clicked uh, having both languages and your know, marks just shot up? It was... It was not harder, but I also wasn't able to learn both languages. Mm -hmm. When my English got better, I lost my Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way now that I was able to regain Chinese uh, was because in my adulthood, mm. I uh, went to work for a few years there and was formally trained in the Chinese language. Mm. And so therefore, I was able to learn Mandarin. But actually, truth be told, when I was seven, I went over to the US. I really, really tried to learn English, forgot all my Chinese. Oh, no. And then my parents got really frustrated. So then they sent me to Chinese school on the weekend <laughs> so I could relearn my Chinese. And of course, I didn't learn a word. So. <laughs> because everyone spoke in English well, in the class or it's um learning a language is more about the environment that you're in than yeah. the school that you're in so even though I was like yeah learning Chinese on the weekends all my friends spoke English I lived in a completely English-speaking environment so like yeah there was no way I was gonna there's, learn Chinese. there's no need yeah. <laughs> yeah. so when you were at school what was it like uh, studying in the US in primary school or high school or uni or college whatever they call it over there uh yeah I mean probably very similar to here in a lot of ways but okay. then also um as a classic you know third culture kid or immigrant kid you deal with all the usual sort of um vaguely racist things that little kids throw at you or adults throw at you <laughs> just for like no random reason whatsoever yeah I, I got called my my fair share of like so people cans and like you know just terrible uh asian nicknames um i had the classic brought chinese food for lunch one day it got laughed at by other kids because my quote food stunk um oh so then, no we did not they were just jealous uh, i bet you it was something really tasty. Well, nowadays I'm sure they are. Yeah, but yeah, like back then I think it was like, yeah, my dad made some stir fried noodles. Of oh, course, yeah. the kids laughed at me. And so I went home and cried. And then my dad, <laughs> fun story, packed me hot dogs for two years <laughs> because he was like, well, this is the most American food you can possibly have. No one can laugh at you. So, like, to this day, I can barely eat hot dogs. <laughs> You're like, you've hot dogged me out, dad. Yeah, I, I ate all the hot dogs in my life in, in, in my childhood. <laughs> well, that was so nice of your dad but you know that was a bit mean of all the kids yeah well it's okay I mean, but i feel sorry for the thai kids because you know they have a lot of fish sauce in their food so imagine them opening it up as it smells of fish sauce instead I'd, I'd i'd hope that um you know immigrant kids these days are growing up and not with those kinds of experiences anymore and yeah that, like, i feel like food diversity has improved a lot more mm. in both australia and the u.s so like most kids these days probably grew up eating noodles that's right <laughs> and i've just been like oh I can't believe you have noodles. <laughs> and their staple is actually rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in Australia, uh, we have what's uh, Indigenous Australians as well as uh, Torres Strait Islanders, um, who are also known as the First Nation people. So in the US, I'm guessing um, in a lot of schools, you have the Native Americans as well as uh, African Americans as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up in a really, really diverse part of America. Um, and so we had uh, basically kids from, from all races. Um, 
and uh, actually grew up in a place that uh, is sort of known historically as being um, an African-American neighborhood as well. Yeah. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is like, the, these kids um, have a lot of problems um, in terms of being accepted because now that we, what we've seen um, in the US with um, Black Lives Matter or the movement there, um, is it is this a st systemic issue or is it just something that the, that the police force, uh, that's something that you happens when, when you know, they convict some sort of crime and, and the, and the African-Americans get hit harder than, let's say, the Asian compatriots? It's, it's systematic. Okay. It's systemic, systemic. So acceptance is not an issue for black Americans in mm -hmm. America. Um, so that I guess is a little bit, maybe a little bit, I'm not super familiar with the race politics here yeah. um, per se. I know that there are a lot of issues that um, um, Aboriginal Indi uh, Australians and uh, indig Indigenous Australians have experienced for, for many, many years. Um, in the U.S., the bias towards, um, towards black Americans and African Americans, they're actually a little bit different. Um, but... I'm not going to get into the explanation <laughs> of it. There's there's a lot of nuances in there. Um, have have been around for ages, and it's not just oh somebody committed a crime and a police officer responded violently. Mm. That's a misconception. There uh, basically uh, black communities in America are policed and regulated and um, targeted in a way by all institutions across like all governments uh, government institutions as well as private people mm. that um, just. It, or just the response is is always disproportionate mm. to um, to what's actually happening. I mean, the number of cases of unarmed um, black children um, who just get gunned down in the street um, yeah. by a like vigilante or a armed police officer, and you know you find out later they're just holding a you know bottle of iced tea and a bag of Skittles. Um, oh. That's Trayvon Martin. Yeah. So so basically, uh, it, it's it's not oh, somebody did something illegal and therefore the police officers um, responded to them in a certain way. But even then, it, like, if you're a white person or an Asian person, you do something illegal, usually you're not going to get shot out of your autocation with mm. the police. They're going to arrest you. You're going to get you get charged for something, mm. but they're not going to kneel on your neck for 10 minutes or nine minutes. In the or beat you yeah. till you're almost... Or beat almost you until you're unconscious. Dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the reaction... To, to the African-American community and to the black community in the U.S., unfortunately, tends towards that direction. And that stemmed from, like, historical baggage, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, or, it's a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I, I, oh, gosh, like, I can't even get into the depth of it all. Um, there are so many issues. It's um, racism and uh, slavery is America's original sin. That's what mm. we called it. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the police force... Some of some of it, not all, but some of the police force was originally uh, established in the U.S. actually to uh, track down escaped slaves. Yeah. So just FYI, that's the history of police forces in the U.S. Some of them, not all yeah. of them. Um, so it's there's it's the the institution and the way that it's been designed and the legacy of it. It's always been a little bit, um, not a little bit, a lot. Uh, Sort of but I guess that f keeps flowing on into the modern world that we live in, even yeah. though a lot has changed. Because you were telling me the story about this um, African American man who, who uh, apparently fifty years ago, uh, you mentioned that he would have been spat on by a little little girl, but instead, um, t 
today, he, he, people, little girls are holding up signs going, justice for peace. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so that story is, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it was Al Sharpton, um, mm -hmm. so he, Reverend Al Sharpton. He's a very, very well-known African-American politician yeah. in the U.S. Um, from our, uh, and he's, he's been you know, involved in the civil rights movement in the U.S. since uh, forever. Mm. Um, and he's told a story about how uh, once upon a time in the 60s when he was uh, marching and, and um, for civil rights, he would have been afraid of, a, like, there would have been a little, like, maybe white girl that would run up to him mm. and she would, like, spit on him, you know, mm. out of anger. But now um, he told a story about how in the most recent Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, he was marching and a little, a little girl, a little white girl came up to him and yelled, no justice, no peace, you know, like, so it's, mm. it's there's definitely a generational shift and things are, are hopefully getting better. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be um, Complacent, yeah. Yeah, we can't be complacent about it. It needs to be heard. Because like it's it's great that the younger generation are trying uh, have access to internet and can understand okay so well um, you know what's going on is not right in the way that we treat uh, African Americans or treat people who we view as different just because of their superficial um, coloring um, so I think it's 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 great that we're moving along uh, but then at the same time there are pockets of society who have a very loud voice and they're the ones what possibly be agitating this whole like uh, this racism in America or like this white supremacist yeah, there's some stories of mm. of uh, white supremacists who are agitating from within and just trying mm. to make the movement look bad. Um, then there's also just opportunists like looters and things like that. I, I just it's it's like it's so complicated. Um, it's so case specific. It's mm. it's really hard to to nail it all down. I mean, message from a U.S. in general. You know, we're not all burning. <laughs> Everything is fine. Um, this is I actually honestly think a healthy part of the development of democracies. Mm. Um, the way that the government is responding and the way that the police are responding is not healthy mm. um, but I do believe that this is uh, you know the the way for America to move forward is we do need to have these difficult conversations so but what about what about Australia actually so I'm still very new here I don't mm. understand the politics here as much but um, I, I know that you guys must have racism issues as well yes so as <laughs> you know <laughs> I'll, give you, like? <laughs> I'll give you the quickest uh, summary of Australia history um, from I guess my point of view and from what I have absorbed from studying in, in Australia, having gone through primary school all the way through to university. So Australia is a young colony, um, 1788. That's when um, Philip Arthur came over uh, on, um, don't quote me, I, got, I may have got the, uh, the boat name wrong, so I'm not even going to quote it at all. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, yeah, I guess being an empire, uh, they were faced with Indigenous, Aboriginal as, and Torres Strait Islanders uh, in a way that were not fair, I guess. Uh, there was a lot of calling, uh, as in C-U-L-L-I-N-G, not C-A-L-L-I-N-G. Um, and so I guess it was an annexation of the Aboriginal PE people and their communities. Um, there was also a lot of... Um, uh, Immersion, so they try to bring the Aboriginal kids. Uh, they separated them from their parents to bring them up into the institution that they are well uh, known for, uh, and that didn't that hadn't gone well because uh, they. I guess the English thought that they were doing good by educating them and by bringing them up in a civilized kind of way. Um, uh, so there's civilized. Be, yeah, they always use the word civilized when yeah. it comes to, you know, I mean, Asia was also colonized and they called it civil, we're making Asia more civilized. So it's a word that keeps 
you know, coming up in all sorts of history. What a loaded word. I indeed. know. What, what is it like for um, for um, Aboriginal people or people of Aboriginal descent now, though, in modern modern day Australia? Um, I think uh, I've heard the term black, uh, mm. B-L-A-K, mm. used as well. Mm. Is that is that a term that they would use to, de- like, describe themselves? And, and, like, black lives matter, B-L-A-K lives matter. Um, I'm probably not an expert on this thing, but um, I do know that there's still a lot of incidents. Like, Australia still has the highest in terms of... Um, the indigenous being locked up, the First Nation people. Uh, but I think things are improving. And I think with the uh, Black Lives Movement uh, and Black Lives Matter, it's actually helping the situation in Australia to recognise that perhaps we should be treating the indigenous people um, you know, in a fairer way. Uh, so I think this is a moment in history where you know, we're, very, we're in a very exciting but also very... Um, tumultuous period where we're like where is this going to go right yeah is this actually going to make a difference to racial discrimination um are people finally going to be able to recognize that okay you know we actually need to do something about it and just move on and uh and just say you know what what has happened in the past is something that we need to actually work on and move forward and recognize that racism is not okay a bit of reckoning that a reckoning. is in order. Yeah, I think so. I think this, like, I don't want to get politics. I don't. Wanna, this show is not usually about politics. Yeah, we're getting sorry. a little deep. Sorry, but but it is like Americans. We're just more political, I guess. <laughs> well, because I think yeah, I think um, African Americans have had a really really tough. Like you know, African Americans get shot, like you said. But you know, if an Asian got uh, caught by the police, it will kind of be like a you know slap on the arm or maybe you know something a little bit less severe. So I can completely understand uh, it, why in the US it, it is driven pretty hard, but in the U, in Australia, like uh, it just doesn't have the same level of um, uh, coverage. Yeah, mm. I, I would actually say that I, I wouldn't necessarily say mm. that the level of violence leveraged against mm. the um, indigenous communities here mm. is not as bad that, as yeah. the US, but it does seem like it's not as covered here. I covered, yeah. yeah. But recently they're um, covering a few things, which I think is great for people to actually see what is be- happening behind doors. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'll do something a little bit lighter. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to bring it down, but it's, it seems to be the, the topic of the moment, I guess, is the best way Not to bring it. Not bringing it down. It, it's a good deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> so um, on our show, we, we talk a lot about collective heritage and how, you know, there's always the notion of people saying, oh, you've got to be one or the other. But, you know, we are of the view that you should celebrate and embrace your collective heritage, which is uh, why it's wonderful being American, why it's wonderful also being uh, Chinese, and soon you'll be adding uh, Australian to it and also a bit of German culture as well. So tell me, how do you feel about this concept? Yeah, I I think we've talked about this before, Mm. and um, we've noticed that um, for other people who are not like us, um, the push is always, uh, well, you have to pick one. Yeah. Pick one. Pick one. Only one. Which one are you? (laughs) Because Uh, don't confuse me. Because I, I, yeah, you're confusing me. That's why. Yeah. Uh, Pick one. You're American or something else, but that's it. Um, (laughs) And uh, it is, it is really, it is really interesting, but I I refuse to pick one. Of course, you refuse to pick one. I refuse to pick one. Mm. That's not how it works. Yeah. I can be simultaneously as American as I want to be. and also identify with my, my Chinese side and my Chinese cultural heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband similarly um, can be as American as he want or identify with his German heritage. 
Um, and for Australia, I'm still very new, but I'm really excited and learning a lot and um, will become more Aussie as I go. My accent hasn't changed yet, <laughs> but let's see. Uh, but, you know, I love the animals here. I love the, the people here. Um, I like the sort of the general feel of society in gen uh, across the board. And beaches, so, of course. <laughs> yeah. The one thing, though, that's Aussie that I still I can't. It's, it's really hard for me. And I think, like, I, I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to do it. Vegemite. Oh, Vegemite. I'm so sorry. It is so hard for me. It is not good. I have, and I have been trying. Trust oh, me. Vegemite's uh, great for a hangover. Oh, I just, I can't. Like once a month, I've been forcing myself to have a piece of toast and put a little Vegemite on it. And I'm just like, maybe I'll like it this time. And I just, it doesn't matter how much butter I add to it, how much other stuff I cover it up with. I just can't. It's a specific flavor. I applaud you guys for eating it, but I it's not for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, the more you have it, the more you'll love it. Just keep going. <laughs> but Maybe, thank you. But yeah. thank you for trying, you know, yeah. making the effort. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, when if when if ever I go for Australian citizenship and like, you know, they put me down in a room with a jar of Vegemite and told me to eat it or I can't be Australian, then <laughs> I'll try. I'll do it. But it's going to be, I'm not going to like it, but I'll do it. <laughs> You're like, can I just have a bit of that on top of my dumpling and then, yeah. and then a you burger know, as well? I've actually, I, I've been meaning to test out Vegemite fried rice. I'm oh. thinking, I'm thinking fried rice will be the, the, the key for me. Like, I think if I put it into my fried rice, I'll be able to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another uh, Australian master chef called Adam Lau. So uh -huh. he, he did a dish with um, Vegemite, which is, uh, so what he did was like, he had toast and he, uh, I think he he crushed it up into little bits so like, like crumbs uh -huh. and then he put Vegemite on it before he crumbed it up uh -huh. and so it has like, like sort of saltiness but then and then he put it on with cheese as well like parmesan cheese and then he put it on top of the bolognese pasta so that made the eating experience a little bit like better <laughs> but just just listen to how much you have to do oh uh, yeah to that's make right Vegemite edible. <laughs> <laughs> guys it should not be that hard <laughs> Food is supposed to be easy to eat. <laughs> Just oh, saying. I know, but, I, you know, but sometimes, like, because uh, I've grown up in Australia, and look, I usually don't eat Vegemite, but the, the, the two things that I missed the most when I was working in China, and because I couldn't have access to it, was Vegemite. All of a sudden, <laughs> I started eating Vegemite on toast every single morning. Oh, okay. And then I started making my own muesli, which is yeah. really weird as well, which I don't do in Australia. Yeah. We mix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was just like, oh my God, why am I toasting this wheat bix from like. Or, or, wheat bix are Aussie kids, right? <laughs> and muesli from scratch. <laughs> Love it. It's weird, I know. <laughs> so, if there's a dessert out there that would describe you, mm. what mm. would it be? Because you know how we, uh, you know, people of uh, yellow on the outside and then white on the inside get called like uh, you know, Banana. bananas. But I like to see myself as a deep fried ice cream because oh. yeah, is it an Australian thing to have deep fried ice cream? No, no. We have deep In fried US? ice cream as well. Yeah, actually, uh, weirdly enough, we associate deep fried ice cream with Mexican food. Oh. But I, that might be a gringo thing. I'm not sure. Oh, right. I'm not sure if it's actually authentically Mexican, but so please do not quote me on that. I thought it was just an Australian thing. All right, it's good to know this all around the world. Yeah. So what kind of dessert would describe you? Uh, okay. Or what do, what do you love more? <laughs> I love I love a lot of um, I love lots of desserts. Um, I'm not a huge sweet tooth to begin with. I, mm. I like savory things more. But if I had to, um, I love almond tofu. 
I love pandan cake, pandan mm. from Singapore. That stuff is delicious. Um, uh, I think a lot of people, white people, have not heard of pandan yet. Yeah. If you have not heard of it, make it a part of your life. It is good. It is basically it makes everything green. <laughs> yes, and it's like basically tropical vanilla. It's vanilla but better. So just do it. Um, and then also, I love love red bean. So red bean is a part of my like my cultural heritage. Chinese like when heritage, I was yeah. little, at the age of three, you know, um, I would have these memories of after school. My grandmother would go and um, we would you know ride our little bicycle home, and Aww, she would pick me up a. Hondo Binguar, which is oh, the red a bean. frozen red ice, red bean, a popsicle, yeah, an yeah. ice pop, yeah. Oh, so good. And back then, like this is early days China, like capitalism hadn't even fully penetrated yet. <laughs> so they didn't even have like branded uh, like store bought red bean um, popsicles. They only had it was like a little late like old lady who like handmade them and like wrapped them in paper, and you just buy it out of her cooler box. Like oh, that shit was so good. Um, and like my biggest complaint for <laughs> <laughs> for uh, Western people that I have experienced or like uh, people are not of Asian descent is like they can't, they don't understand why Asians eat beans as the dessert mm. right they're like oh like why would you eat beans as a dessert like how can beans be sweet and you um, add sugar to it yeah well yeah you add sugar to it and my most common like uh, feedback is like chocolate is a bean yes it's a cocoa bean chocolate is a Bean. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to process it a lot. Yeah. You have to cook it a lot. Yeah. You have to add sugar and milk to it to make it edible because it is a dessert bean. Yeah. It's the same thing you do to red beans, same thing you do to other beans to make them into a dessert. So you can take it and shove it <laughs> because you have been eating beans, beans. for dessert your entire <laughs> life. So unpopular. It's just a different color bean, that's yeah. all. Exactly. Good to see you're supporting black beans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unpopular opinion. I actually think chocolate is crap. <laughs> But you so, prefer the red bean. Oh, do I? Is do. there a yellow bean that we should all like? Well, lotus seed, right? So mm. lotus seed is also used as dessert. Green bean is used as dessert. So yeah. I mean, like, like, dude, we all use beans. <laughs> soy <laughs> beans dessert. for soy milk yeah, and we soy, use soy products. Yeah, exactly. So you can just yeah take it and shove it. Yeah, you can just bean it all up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so when you go on a date, do you have dessert, or what's it like dating in the U.S. compared to anywhere uh, else? Being of a sort of Asian collective Western heritage. I think you probably understand this as well that like um, for some reason um, how Asian women date is extremely politicized. <laughs> like everybody has an opinion about what person you should date. Um, especially your mother, right? <laughs> well, especially your mother, but that's just like a whole other thing. Yeah. So like I've um, I've dated people of all different ethnic um, sort of backgrounds. I've mm. dated a uh, Persian. Mm -hmm. I've dated uh, Latino. I've dated black. I've dated Asian. I've dated white. I ended up marrying a white guy, but. Um, Every single person I dated, those around me had an opinion about why I was doing it. There was always a reason, and it always said more about them than it said about me. Okay. Yeah. Can that, you like, share? It's just like, if you don't date an Asian guy, then other people are like, well, you know what? Are Asians not good enough for you? <laughs> and then if you only date Asian guys, and it's like, what? Are you racist against others? <laughs> Um, you can't win, can you? No, you can't. If you date a black guy, then obviously you're making a political statement as well for some reason. Oh god. Um, and it's it's just um, I <laughs> dated guys because they were cute and cool. Um, and actually, weirdly enough, it didn't matter what um, ethnic uh, origin mm. or background they might be. Uh, all of the guys I dated had a very similar um, lived cultural experience. They were all growing up in the U.S. Mm. Um, with a kind heritage. of a 
yeah. pseudo liberal urban mm. um, experience, and like we watch the same movies, listen to the same music, and you shared know, interests and yeah. shared the same interests. Exactly. Actually, if anything, the one guy I dated who like I had absolutely nothing in common with, so, like I dated this one conservative uh, white guy who is an ex marine. Oh, and no. uh, that did not last long. Like, <laughs> that one was like, oh wow, this is a really weird experience. I do not enjoy it. We have nothing in common. And Apart then, from like, your muscles, which is quite nice, but then now nah, underneath <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like out of all of the people I dated, that was definitely the one guy who was like, wow, we have nothing in common. I, this is not going to work. Yeah. Uh, that on top of the fact that he also like yelled at a waitress at a restaurant. At a bar, oh, that's but, not a good uh, indication. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never date somebody who gets mean um, to your serve staff. That's right. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the number one test. Eh? Regardless yeah. of race, regardless of anything else, yeah. if they're Morning rude to a waitress yeah. wait, or waiter, then yeah. it's not Run on. Run away. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's going to treat your kids later on or your mother. Or you. <laughs> or you, exactly. Yeah. Let's not talk Run about domestic away. violence. <laughs> for real. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so dating in Australia has been sort of tough for me as well. Uh, yeah. Like you said, um, you know, if I date Asians, kind of people go, oh, so, you know, was he small or, or like that's the first thing they ask oh, yeah and I'm just like oh well mm, whatever insert whatever answer you want in there uh, and then when I started dating white guys they're like oh so you know you're racist to your own race I'm like oh my god I can't win <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. yeah it's tough it's tough so you just have to go with well I'm attracted to that guy he's got a good personality we have a lot in common he's you know okay in bed that'll do um, and also we shouldn't have to feel like we need to explain that to anybody. Exactly. <laughs> it's not their business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, maybe we should be asking, so how many Asians have you dated? Or how many, you know, African-Americans have you dated? <laughs> yeah, this is it's not a fucking contest. <laughs> Guys, we need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't make you racist if you go for one kind, does it? Or I don't know. Ugh, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> so then how do you, how do you see the world? From now on, um, so you having an interracial uh, ma ma relationship, marriage, your kids will be, you know, beautiful because they're going to be half and half, and they like I'm generalizing, but they usually are pretty good looking. <laughs> it's either or. Like I feel like mixed babies, they come out just absolutely gorgeous, or like oh. <laughs> Not, no, I, I think they're all gorgeous. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Usually, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> so, how 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 would you like them to see the world? And also, what kind of last name would they have? Would they have a, a hyphenated surname, or would, would you go with the traditional uh, Western, which is the Shun, or would you go the traditional Western? The traditional Chinese way is taking on the father's name, correct? Yeah, you take yeah. the father's name, but the woman keeps her last name. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. how do you see this working out? Uh, we're probably gonna. Oh, this is actually really weird. I, I can't <laughs> confirm this because I still need to talk to my hubby about it. Oh, uh, oh whoops. Maybe we shouldn't re record this then. <laughs> no, like, I think, I mean, my, my preference would be to hyphenate. Yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, part of the reason why I wanted to hyphenate was because I didn't want to have that weird conversation with people where if I take my husband's last name, which is Western, mm. um, and then they see me, they'll be like, you get that weird moment where you think that they think you yeah. tricked them. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. yeah they're like, oh, 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 you're not, you're not white. Oh, you tricked me. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> it, 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 I am married to a, uh, you know, a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just, oh God, I just didn't want to have that. And um, also, I am actually really, really proud of my, my heritage mm. and, my, and my last name. And um, like, if we can hyphenate it, since, you know, our two last names are not absurdly long um i figured why not right if we can hyphenate we can and then if we can reintroduce the umlauts we will <laughs> <laughs> i think we should reintroduce the umlauts oh, I, re 
really want everyone to. Everyone can just download the keyboard anyways. <laughs> I really want to, but I do. It would be really hard. Like I would have to tell so many different governments what we did to our names. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. It'd be like Chinese whispers and then they just keep changing. And the next thing, your surname is like something completely different. Yeah. It's like, and then I'm going to start getting flagged at airports because none of my names match. <laughs> like that's going to get so complicated. <laughs> and then your poor kid's going to go, oh, mom, dad, why? Yeah, exactly. So, but I definitely, I definitely think we'll probably hyphenate. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. You know, I think I'm loving where this, this world is going to. I think people are finally recognizing that there needs to be a bit of a recognition. Uh, the day of reckoning. Sounds like a good movie. <laughs> and, and so you with your mixed heritages, which I think people should embrace as opposed to making you, you know, with, with a shotgun to your head going, you know, you got to choose one of the three or four. Uh, it's just... It just makes a, would you call this like a bad love triangle? Or would you, would you call this like a, a hot mess triangle? Hot mess triangle. <laughs> you mean between the US, China and Australia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very topical too. Uh, I mean, in my personal identity, I don't, it's not a triangle because like, <laughs> I, I am, uh, it's, um, how do you describe it? They're not separate from each other. They're all mixed together, right? Yeah. It's more like a Venn diagram, maybe? <laughs> Venn diagram triangle? Yeah. And Vegemite sits solidly in the, uh, in the Australia circle. Let's just call it the Vegemite triangle. does not overlap with the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but for, for, for Australia, I guess, itself, just being, like, kind of the triangular relationship that you guys... The child stuck in, in the middle oh, of the abusive relationship. Right? Yeah, it's, um, it is not pleasant. I will, I will give you guys that. It is a tough spot to be in. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but I reckon that's enough tough spot and deep diving. I reckon we're up for some Korean. Yeah. Oh my God. So excited. Yeah. So excited for some kimchi. <laughs> yes. And barbecuing. Yeah. Korea's got okay for now. I mean, they they're on top of the COVID and managing the situation there. So yeah, all right, everyone. It was, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank Pepe. you, Madam Chan. <laughs> well, let's have you on again, and we can talk more about. What's happening in the world? All right. <laughs> Bag rat out. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For the latest updates and kooky posts, follow us at Captain Bagrat on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love it as much as Captain Bagrat and we do, please support us with likes and shares. If you're really digging Captain Bagrat, it does cost us a bit to produce, and we really appreciate donations and in-kind contributions via Patreon or however you like. I mean, we will never say no to be a sponsorship. Your support will bring us one step closer to having our own TV show one day and to live broadcast it from the heart of downtown Chinatown. Solid.